You're listening to Live Wild Radio, the part-time adventure podcast. Join us as we explore how outdoor adventures build mind, body, and spirit. Before we get to the show today, we've got our first real partner sponsor, Great Lakes Girya. So Girya is the Russian word for kettlebell. They have kettlebells in stock, which I know is a big issue in a lot of places. Really high quality bells, the Russian hard style, that range from as little as four kilos up to 96 kilos. Really love the quality. Handles are great. The part that's great is we got you a 5% discount. So if you go to greatlakesgearia.com, if you're here in Canada or in the United States, it's us.greatlakesgearia.com and use the promo code LiveWild at checkout. You'll get 5% off. Um, and in addition to kettlebells, they have barbells, they have squat racks, they have dumbbells, maces, weighted clubs, chin-up bars, whole collection of gear so uh don't forget if you want to get in shape don't count on the gyms they keep having to close so set your gym up at home now and save some money on it welcome everybody to live wild radio the podcast that can't decide what it is because we love adventure things um and that includes obviously are camping and rock climbing and backpacking and hiking and all the winter stuff like snowshoeing and winter camping. But in the last year, uh, and this is sort of one of the, the beneficial side effects of COVID, um, I got Catherine into mountain biking and now it's all she wants to do. Yep. So. Uh, Feel safer. <laughs> um, although it's funny, uh, with our ride on Saturday, Mm-hmm. Um, I got more beaten up uh, than in like all of our years of rock climbing together. Those are minor scratches, though. Well, they're <laughs> welted bruises on my shins. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So anybody from Ontario uh, on Saturday, we went riding in Waterdown. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, basically because... If you enter in from behind the Walmart, it's kind of cool because right behind the Walmart, there's just an entrance for the trail. Yeah. It's an escarpment. Yeah. So it's got some great views and fantastic valleys. Big descents. And some whoopee doos, some jumps and drops and that people have built in. Yeah. Uh, Like if you enjoy like jumps and... Like the 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 Red Bull type stuff. There's a bunch of gap jumps. Oh yeah, on one of the rhines. That so was cool to see. If you fuck it up, you're gonna eat shit so hard. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so that's where we took the kids. Yeah, uh, they weren't big fans of the first little section. No, it was a red. Yeah. Uh, well, because the first section was not. No, but then it was the rocky terrain. Yeah, and then then it turned into a red trail after that, because we should have gone down the escarpment right there. Right. Um, but I hadn't looked at the descent, and you went, "Oh, that's too steep to go down." Mm. Um, and but that's what we came up, and it was. Fine. It, if it's easy to ride up, 
it's easy to go down. Yeah, and I had no problem riding up it. Yeah. Huh. Right? So um, going down would have been a joke. So we know it for the future. <laughs> yeah, but Hudson doesn't know how to brake properly. So on his new bike, I should say. So they got Diamondbacks. I don't know what his brand is, but it's 20-inch wheel. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just not entirely used to it yet. So we worked out the kinks. The kinks? Mainly yesterday. Yeah. I suppose, yeah. Yeah. He's still having a problem wrapping his head around shifting his gears. He's getting better at Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's funny because Catherine sounds like an old pro, even though she only started mountain biking. Do I? Just a, a hair over a year ago. <laughs> yeah. So for this episode, we thought, you know, because I keep saying, wow, that'd be a good tip. You know, there's all these little things that are aha moments for me that has dramatically improved my riding. And I mean, I guess you see it better than I do, but I f- guess I'm feeling in my comfort mm-hmm. in what we're riding. Yep. I have no issue going down blacks anymore. And even reds, like I'll try it. Yeah. I probably won't succeed at it, but it doesn't matter. Well, the going down never is the problem. That's right. It's the going up. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. So so for those of you who aren't aware, in mountain biking, um, trails are graded like purple is like your, your Crushstone Park path, right? It'll be like a connector trail, that kind of thing. Green is easy. Blue is intermediate. Black is a single black diamond, advanced trail, and then red trails are double black diamond, super advanced. Uh, And then there's kind of like the occasional like super, super, super advanced. Um, I don't even know what color they are. Like if you use the Trail Forks app, they color code the trail so you know what the difficulty is. Um, It's brilliant. Like I haven't been to to Waterdown riding um, since... Trail forks had come out, mm-hmm. so anytime we went down, it was just like getting lost. Yeah, I could see that. There's lots of trails cross there. trails. Yeah, uh, and we didn't even get into the stuff like on the other side of Snake Road, and yeah, like there's whole networks that keep going. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, that's sort of our tip number one. Like, if you're getting into mountain biking, mm. put the Trail Forks app on your phone. Yeah. Or if you get a Garmin bike computer, um, like the 830 or something like that, uh, or the 1030 or any of the 30s, <laughs> um, you can put the Trail Forks app um, on it. So then on your Garmin bike computer on your handlebars, uh, it will have all these trails shown. Yeah, but you don't really recommend putting a bike computer on your handlebars, do you? Uh, or I suppose it's yeah. one that stays on your, it screws in on your. Yeah. Okay, I was thinking of something you put your phone on because that will. Just oh, no, 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 no. Like yeah. they're designed for rugged use. Got it, got it. They're waterproof. How much are they? Uh, Like 500 to 700 bucks. Do you sell them at work? Yeah. Ooh, another toy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so trail forks. Uh, basically it makes it really easy to figure your way around complex trail networks. Um, you don't get lost because it shows you right where you are using the GPS in your phone or on the, and it's only dedicated for mountain biking or other. Yeah. It's, it's just a for cycling. Got it. Yeah. It, it's basically from pink bike, like the mountain bike website, mm. um, just like mountain project. 
Okay. Is from REI, you know, but specifically for climbing. Yeah. Um, this is specifically for cycling. So road cycling, mountain biking. No, really just mountain biking. Oh, it's is tra- it? It's trail forks. Nice. Um, there might be road routes and gravel. Yeah. But, you know, when you look at it and zoom in on the map, it's all the mountain biking areas that are really shown off. Is it mainly in North America or elsewhere? I don't Local. know. I've never looked anywhere other than North America. That's true. You know. Um, yeah. But... I would assume. Yeah. Because it's, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, why not? It's a platform. People upload their, yeah. their um, comments, their trails, et cetera. That's cool. Yeah. 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 That's a very good tip because last thing you want is be in there stuck, not knowing how to get out and then have a tantrum like my kid did. Oh, and he knew exactly where to go. He just didn't want to do it. He's like, fuck this. And threw shit. his bike down. And <laughs> <laughs> started crying. Yeah. See, when he's older, he's going to have meltdown. But you know what? He pulled it together. I told him to go sit in the shade. Gave him some water, some cookies. Like you're you're so much more nurturing than than I would be. I think I would have made a good drill sergeant. I don't know if that would have gone over very I but see <laughs> when somebody when, when somebody throws their bike, yeah, I, I don't That's have, not that's not cool. Yeah, I don't have patience for that. Right? Your bike is your steed. It's true. Right? It it got you in there. It's got to get you out. Uh, yeah. Right? So yeah, you have an tantrum that's going to do jack shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um cuz you still have to go down that hill and then up that next hill cuz Yeah. Uh Amanda and I had made it to the top of the next hill. Yeah. And it was this open like hydro cut, not the hydro cut in Kitchener, but yeah. like down water down. Um I foolishly uh and I should have known better. It was the only green trail um, marked on the, the map, okay. um, which is easy, mm-hmm. right? Um, we should have just stuck to blues. Yeah. Right? Because the blues... It turned out that the green was hard. Well, it was just shitty. Yeah. Shitty it, and overgrown and erosion and going up these steep hills with erosion. But his bike's awkward for him. It's still a little heavy and it's hard for him to roll up. Yeah. So And his, and he had his shitty shoes on, no, no treads because it's brand new ones. He didn't want to get dirty, right? Whatever. Yeah. So he had a hard time. He was just not happy. And it was fucking hot. Yeah. We Is that when we determined, yes, that they need camelbacks? Yeah. Um, it was hot. Yeah. So let's go on to another tip, uh, which I would say for anybody is stay hydrated. Perfect segue. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, especially Huge. this summer when it was so hot. Huge. Um, you know, that's where especially mountain biking um where depending on the terrain reaching down and pulling out a water bottle and drinking yeah. can be difficult yeah um that's where camelbacks or any hydration backpack uh, can be highly effective right because you can drink while you ride you know you don't have to have your hands off the handlebar you just stick the bite valve in your mouth yeah from the tube and suck away yeah and it's like backpacking if you've got the camelback you'll properly hydrate yourself on a regular basis versus yeah, because when you're riding, yeah. you want to be putting down, like, in the ballpark of a liter an hour um, when you're okay. out in the heat. Yeah. Uh, good to know. You know, so. It's a good. And you want to make sure you have electrolytes yeah. when you're sweating a bunch and it's super hot. Yeah, because. You should have it. You should carry it with, it, with, it, with you anyway in case you bonk. And you didn't. Well, they're not going to give you any energy. Oh, no, it's just for brain function? 
and muscle function and heart function and all the important functions. functions. <laughs> it just doesn't like yeah. supply you energy. So, which uh, that's another good segue, but we'll get into that in a second. But yeah, electrolytes definitely you should carry them on you. Yeah, like and the it's new one tablet's good for a liter. Mil. <laughs> like you've Listen never to Winston, not me. You've never read the package. <laughs> I thought it was a liter. No. Oh. Um, I didn't have my glasses. Yeah, it's two per liter. Mm. So a two liter Camelback would so be four of them. The kids were complaining they didn't like the taste. Well, then. They need to like suck it up. Or Literally. find find some other option. Like there's other flavors. Like it doesn't have to be the noon tablets. Right. Um, you can get energy drinks uh, like, uh, you know, Hammer Nutrition's um, Heed high energy electrolyte drink. Yeah, there's also uh, tablets. Yeah, capsules. But, but the kids aren't going to swill their own capsules in the middle of a ride. Oh, right. But we're not just talking about kids. We're talking about everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Capsules are handy, yeah. right? Uh, the Gatorade, let's talk about that. How useful is that? Um, I'm not a fan of Gatorade. Why? Um, because the formulation is the same as it was in 1968 when they invented it. They've just made different flavors. Mm. So... Just uh, we'll take a step back. Electrolytes. Um, think of them as the electrical signal carriers of your body, right? So they're nutrients: sodium, potassium, magnesium, calcium, um, zinc, selenium. You know, there's sort of a, a bunch of them. And when they get depleted, um, which happens when you sweat, because they're what make your sweat salty. It's not just sodium, right? Um, when they get depleted, then you can run into muscle cramps. Um, your body not, um, uh, basically absorbing fluid properly, uh, you know, just a bunch of different functions within the body. Um, so by, uh, anytime you're, you're sweating a lot, you're, you're doing high output activity, putting electrolytes back in will improve your performance. Um, and it's a safety thing. Right, because if all you're doing, um, and for an hour or two ride, it's not that big of a deal, um, but people have actually died um, because they're drinking just straight water. Mm. And so what happens is because you're sweating the electrolytes out, but all you're doing is replacing it with just straight, you know, water. Um, then the electrolyte uh, in your body get diluted even more. Um, and because they're the carriers of signals, including the pumping of your heart, your heart's a muscle, right? right? So it needs the right signals. Yeah. Um, people have died because they end up having, you know, like heart failure or heart attack. Interesting. Um, even though they're fit, just because of electrolyte depletion. Huh. Right? And that's a very severe... So in a survival moment, you have no electrolytes. And you get muscle cramps, by the way, and that really sucks. Yeah, that, that comes way before the heart attack thing. So. Sure, sure. But, uh, you know, survival moment, can you just lick the salt off your, your body? Uh, uh, yeah, it's just not going to replace that <laughs> okay, much. Okay, just right? asking. Um, I'm sure somebody's thinking the same thing. So. Yeah. Uh, no. So so that's where like something like Gatorade, like the bottled stuff, Yeah. it's just got sodium and potassium in it. Um, and the sodium and potassium aren't in the right ratios. Okay. Um, that's where like performance oriented things like the noon tablets, uh, Enduralites, um, uh, from hammer nutrition, uh, uh, what the hell are they called? There's a, there's a company that makes, 
Um, and it's at the tip of my tongue. We'll include it in the show notes. Um, they make custom energy drinks um, uh, that I've had good success racing with. Um, you know, but like I said, like the hammer nutrition stuff, I can't speak highly enough of. Uh, you know, so there's a number of options out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and because is that what it, am I correct that if you run into that depletion, you bonk, or is that no, that's to do energy. With calories, that's energy. Yeah, this is just body like systems. Yes, Got so it. muscle cramps will be electrolytes mm-hmm. and out of shapeness. <laughs> so you can, um, you know, they kind of go together. Okay. Um, you know, like you can get muscle cramps because you're doing too much for your fitness level, but you can also be in super shape and get muscle cramps just because you're depleted. Right. Uh, and that's where I find like getting a bunch of magnesium in your system. Boom. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've had races like doing like eight hour mountain bike races, mm-hmm. um, especially cause I used to race them on a single speed mountain bike. So it's very muscular cause it's not, you don't have an easier gear to switch into. Right. And, uh, I would, my quads or my hamstrings would cramp on me. Mm. Um, and I would down like four or five electrolyte capsules. Yeah. Five minutes later, they're gone. Really? Yeah. It was pretty magical. Um, pretty horrid when it was happening. Um, but how quickly it fixes it. Right. Um, it's quite magical. Okay. Um, and so again, minimum requirements for taking electrolytes is what things like heat temperature, well, and duration, how much you sweat. Yeah, sweat. Like, it's, it's, it all comes I, I, down to sweat. How yeah, much like, and I would and I would say if you're doing events um, or rides um, mm-hmm. that are relatively strenuous and over an hour, got um, it, That's or a an good, hour and a half, perfect. Then getting some electrolytes is a good idea. It's almost like a part of a safety kit. Yeah, really. Um, and you know, you can have some gels like the goo gels, um, or hammer gels. They also have electrolytes in them, mm-hmm. you know, so there's different ways of getting them in. So let's talk, let's continue on that segue about nutrition. Yeah. Since we've already kind of touched on it a little bit. I know for me, uh, how much you eat before you go and what you eat. So let's talk a bit about the what. So you want energy. Yeah. So that's carbs. Uh, well, carbs, fat and protein. Right. If it's just carbs, then your blood sugar will spike and crash. Mm. Right. But if you've had a breakfast that's kind of balanced. Yeah. Um, then your body absorbs it slower. Um, so then you have energy longer. Mm. Right. Because you don't get the big insulin spike that causes your blood sugar to crash. So say you're going to go after breakfast. What's a good breakfast? Um, I'm a big fan of... Uh, like, you know, if, if we're going immediately afterwards, yeah. um, like a bagel with peanut butter, mm-hmm. there's some carbs, fat, and protein. Right? Yeah, because we were looking at the, we were comparing the carbs in a piece of, two slices of bread. Mm-hmm. It was pretty high. It was like 35 grams just for the bread. Yeah, but it also will Plus give the you, peanut butter. It'll give you uh, like maybe six grams of fat. Mm-hmm. Um, and five or six grams of protein. Right. Then you add in the few grams of protein and, and a few grams of fat from the peanut butter. Now you're, uh, it's not balanced in the sense of like percentages. Right. But when you have some protein and fat with your carbs, especially complex carbs, like say a whole wheat bread or an oatmeal, mm-hmm. um, 
it, they take a little longer for your body to break down, mm-hmm. right? So they don't all hit your bloodstream at once. Right. So you have more of a, a sustained energy, mm-hmm. right? And then if you're going to be riding longer than an hour and a half, mm-hmm. um, you know, then getting some calories in while you're on the bike uh, really will make a difference. Right. So that's when you bring the granola bars. Um. It energy, or energy gels, whatever. Yeah, like it, a lot of it depends whether you're going to stop and eat or you're eating on the go, mm-hmm. right? So um, I tend to like, uh, I abhor stopping. <laughs> you know, um, everybody wants to take breaks. It's like, I'm not, I'm here to ride my bike, not, mm-hmm. if I want to sit, I, I'll go home. Um, <laughs> so, you know, for me, it's one of those things. I want stuff that I can put down on the bike. Right. Um, that I can access one-handed. Right. So that's why like a cycling jersey with the pockets in the back is mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what they're for. Yeah. I can reach back, grab my snack. Yeah. Um, I don't want stuff I have to unwrap that's too complicated. Right. Um, and so that's where maybe I'll have like a peanut butter sandwich um just in a ziploc bag that's easily accessible because if you get a little bit of easy terrain you know if you're on a long ride Mm -hmm. you know section cutting through a field or you know that is non-technical right um gels are great Mm -hmm. um uh i'm a big fan of hammer nutrition's gels because you can get them in a bulk bottle Mm -hmm. um so instead of the individual packets then you end up with these sticky packets stuffed Mm -hmm. in your pocket because you don't want to leave any garbage Uh, because uh the hammer gel comes in a like 30 serving bulk um container and then you have uh um basically these little flasks they call them gel flasks okay um so you can put like four servings in one of those and then dilute it with water Mm. um because i find the gels a little too thick Mm -hmm. um as far as like dispensing it and think of think of the gel flask as like a a miniature water bottle Mm. right um it's got like the same kind of pop top that a bike bottle would have okay um so you just pull it up with your teeth and give it a squeeze and boom you got energy how long does it take to actually uh feel the effects of it oh 15 minutes Mm. right so uh i was always a big fan because you know i can put uh like four depending on the size of the flask like four or six servings in the flask i dilute it with a little bit of water so it dispenses easier right because mm-hmm. you don't want like a whole or half of a serving just yeah. left stuck to the inside oh, of the that thing would suck. be struggling right? with that yeah um so by diluting it a little bit uh it just makes it easier to swallow yeah um the flavors are really good like their apple cinnamon tastes like apple pie or (laughs) you know like they've got a lot of good flavors yeah um and you know two of those little bottles Mm -hmm. is like having um a dozen like packaged gels in your pocket oh really right because so you can go far yeah how long did those, like, so taking a serving of those gel, gels, how long uh, will that last you, energy-wise? Uh, they're, they're usually about 100 calories. Um, so depending on your intensity level, um, you know, somewhere in the ballpark of uh, 15 minutes. 
Okay. You know. Is it calorie for calorie? So whatever you take in and you expend, you got to replace, you got to add more calories? Well, if, if you're going long enough. Yeah. Right? So like, say you are. If you are, then... Now, here's, here's the thing you run into with long duration stuff. And when that by that, I'm talking like over four hours mm-hmm. um, at a fast pace. Right? Not like the ride we did with the kids the other day. That yeah, was yeah, yeah. technically four hours, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's nothing. It, it had too many breaks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what we'll run into with that is a case of uh, you're limited by how many calories per hour your stomach can process while mm. you're exercising. Um, so if you're going pretty hard, you might be burning 600 to 800 calories an hour, uh, but your stomach might be able, only able to process 400. Interesting. Right? So, And that's where um, a uh, really long duration events, you're burning a chunk of body fat, yeah. right? Your body's going to tap into fat as a fuel source. Yeah. Um, there's a certain amount of muscle breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why a lot of, uh, high like perf- dope. Pardon? <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the, the, um, some of the modern, um, or higher performance, like endurance drinks, Right. We'll have uh, some branch chain amino acids mm-hmm. um, because about 10% of your energy is going to come from protein mm-hmm. um, and it's those specific amino acids. So having them um, put in to what you're eating and drinking is going to translate into less muscle breakdown, hmm. right? So you recover quicker from the big event. Um, so yeah. So, you know, if you're sort of doing racing type stuff, then the high tech food, like the energy drinks, the energy gels, um, the chews, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. But otherwise, you know, if you don't mind stopping and eating, um, you know, peanut butter sandwiches, bananas, um, granola, bars. granola bars, all that kind of stuff where it's not just pure carbs. Yeah. Um, so I'm on the keto diet and we usually go in the morning. Mm-hmm. So traditionally I fast inter- intermittently. Um, I, I do have a coffee in the morning with cream, whatever. So it's got cream. Um, but that's my drink in the morning. But then I actually, I take a protein shake. Mm-hmm. I double up on my protein shake. So that means I'm getting in, uh, how many carbs? It's 23 per shake. So 50. Or 46 grams. Okay, something like that. Plus protein, not a lot. Well, there's actually... No, sorry. Calories is about 170 a scoop. Yeah. So it's quite a bit. Um, and I take it with almond milk, whatever. But my point is, is that um, for our two to three hour rides, plus a, a granola bar, yeah, I'm good. And you don't want to make the mistake of having, you know, what I did a couple of times, <laughs> two servings of protein shake. And then I went and got, uh, even if it was just like a little English, like a breakfast muffin. Yeah. And you're feeling good. But then on the ride, you got like a brick so in your, your stomach. stomach. Yeah. Yeah. It feels, you feel so gross. So you don't want to overeat at all. No. At all. You don't it's want light, to. easily digestible light. food. Yeah. Yeah. Consider taking more food with you on the ride versus eating it before you go. Mm-hmm. 
huge for performance, I think. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, yeah, like but the thing is, you don't want to do intense activity with a full stomach, mm-hmm. right? Like that's why uh, it's always recommended to eat an hour or two before a race. Um, you know, any of that kind of stuff where you're going to be going balls out. Yeah. Um, uh, because otherwise your muscles and your stomach are competing for blood. Um, mm. and what happens is, uh, often you throw up because mm. your stomach loses. <laughs> so it says jettison and it's miserable. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So, um, those are some, I know we went down the rabbit hole on that, but that's pretty interesting and important. Mm-hmm. Um, so my story for those who don't know is that I just started biking, mountain biking last year, two months after I broke my elbow. So that was interesting. Actually, it was really good rehab, I think, because when I was road cycling, being in that st- static arm position was hard on my elbow, but mountain biking was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what a lot of people might face is a bit of a, a hesita- hesitation or fear of crashing because it's a thing (laughs) it can happen so um i think what's key is obviously there's skills and we've talked about it in our last episode but um overall you want to get comfortable with the bike and there are times where i didn't really go on rides i just went I, i did go on a ride but it wasn't about how fast i could go and how far i could go it was just about let's just practice these tight corners today mm hmm you know, and truthfully, I found even when I went on my own, because I wondered how much benefit I would get out of it, cycling on my own, because what do I know? Just the act of practicing, I saw improvement. Mm-hmm. And so did you. Yeah. So um, definitely worthwhile going, even if you go on your own, just to get more comfortable with the bike. Because I think that's the first um, hurdle that a lot of cyclists, I'm going to guess, um, are trying to figure out is, you know, how much of a death grip do they need on the handlebars, which you need none. But at the first, you know, when you're first doing it, you're, you're hesitant, right? You're scared. So, and your hands are always probably right on the brakes, whatever. So, uh, letting the bike do its thing, letting your, your, your upper body and your, your elbows relax, right? So Mm -hmm. you're not like looking like Frankenstein and expending energy, um, you know, feeling more comfortable about how your your bike rolls down hills and what you can do. And you're not going to go fast to start. You're going to just go inch by inch until you're comfortable. And I found that immensely helpful. And what I also thought was interesting was when we were in Holton Falls, I think, mm. on the rock terrain. So it's all like granite rock. Open well, limestone, but who's counting? Limestone, right. Because <laughs> if it was granite, it'd be easier. Um, limestone slippery, but as much as I couldn't do it, it's always worthwhile trying hard trails, even if you're walking a lot of it because you pick up on skills. Mm -hmm. That's actually when I learned that, oh, my, is it 26 inch tire? Is that what I 29. 29. There you go. My 29 inch tire can go over these rocks because often I would try and go around the rocks and I never liked going over them, even if they were like solidly implanted in the ground, planted in the ground. Um, so I discovered that I'm like, okay. So but just because I was faced with so many rocks to begin with, I couldn't avoid them. Mm-hmm. 
So that was a really good aha moment. And I also learned either on that ride, like basically in the next season. So it was like eight months later. So I'm trying to save you some some time here. That the most important thing to watch for when you're thinking about your wheels and rocks and obstacles is just keep focused on what your front wheel can go over. Your rear wheel will always follow. Yeah, as long as you got a little bit of momentum. Sure. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's your front wheel. Yeah. Because in the past, I used to try and navigate my front and my rear. Yeah, you, and can't, I was see, always, you, you can't see what your rear is doing anyway. No, but I if I was going between rocks, if I was doing that, mm-hmm. I'd do my front, but I'd also be thinking about it. And, and I'd slow down, slow right, the right, slow the heck down because I wasn't sure if my second, my rear wheel could do it. Yeah. When it wasn't necessary. Yeah. Like if you, if you can get your front wheel over it and you've got a little bit of momentum, you'll go through. The only thing is that you may skid sometimes, especially over roots, right? If you hit it. On an angle. On an angle. Yeah. But, it, but this, otherwise that's fine. Like yeah. it's, but you'll, yeah. Because this is the thing you'll always run into is if you just pay attention to what your front wheel does, because if your front wheel slips, you could be on your face. If your rear wheel slips, you correct for it, right? So it's always just focusing on the front wheel. That's right. Um, you know, get it over stuff, the rear will follow. Um, weight your front wheel going through a corner. If the rear slips a little, it doesn't matter because you can always correct, like unless it's like a complete washout, which yeah. doesn't really happen. It's why one of the tricks I do um, often in my bike setups um, is put a wider, more aggressive tire on the front, mm. right? So you're pretty much guaranteeing when you're going around a corner, the rear will always slip before the front does. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, you know, one of, one of the little, we'll call it like technical tricks you can do when you're getting into mountain biking um, is whatever tires your bike came with. Because um, if you're starting with like a, intermediate kind of recreational mountain bike they're not going to have like the best tires in the world um fitting you know the fattest most aggressive um tires you can fit into your frame um and your fork uh obviously because those tires will tend to be a little bit heavier and more drag it'll be physically a bit more effort but it gives you more grip um, and it's one of the things I've always found is like, if you're in terrain, that's a little bit sketchy, loose rocks, gravel, roots, that kind of thing. Um, if you've got more bite to your tires, um, you can more confidently ride through things. Um, if your tires are like a lightweight, fast rolling tire, um, great for the cross country racer who's already experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can be sketchy. Yeah. Um, and that includes, you know, muddy terrain and that water and, um, which we normally don't ride on cause trails are usually closed, but some places there's after a big storm that like you'll see in the deep valleys, yeah. rain puddles and stuff. So you'll notice that. Well, we even ran into it riding in London yesterday. Yeah. Right. Lots Where, of it. Yeah. Because there were stream crossings. Yeah. Right. Like that, the trail actually went through streams. Yeah. So it wasn't like you're going to wreck the trail. Yeah. 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 You know, because they were just specifically set up that there's a spot where you got to go right through the river. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so meaty, more aggressive tires would be one of my tips for people. Um, things like, uh, you know, um, the minions from, uh, Max's tires, uh, they're like super beefy and grippy. Um, uh, you know, cause unless you're a cross country racer where, um, every little ounce and every little bit of rolling drag counts. And if you are, this probably isn't the podcast for you anyway. Um, you know, but unless you're a racer, um, where, uh, you know, that speed matters, you know, can be placings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of like meaty, aggressive tires. Mm-hmm. Even if you're on a fast section of trail, it's like, yeah, it's a few, you burn a few more calories riding it. Mm-hmm. Right. For any of us that are riding for fitness, mm-hmm. um, then, hey, cool. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you made it a little more physically challenging, like yeah. exercise wise. But when you hit that steep downhill that you didn't know was coming. Yeah. Or some roots or whatever. Yeah. You ride through that shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you get different terrain, right? You might have sandy terrain or. um Roots, rocks. Uh, it, it could even be that you get off the trail a little bit, and sometimes the trail is a lot more slippery than you think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's not not it's just very loose, right? It's not as packed like the yeah. trail is, so that can really help you out. Yeah, I'll probably get an aggressive tire for my front because I'm noticing it now mm-hmm. in some of the train that we've been on lately that I could use it, but. Um, uh, another interesting thing that I learned, I'm like, why is my bike squeaking? I swore I should have taken a video of it because I'm not the only one. Basically, my chain was dry. Mm. Remember that? Yep. And um, of course, you're shaking your head and you're like, Catherine, you should, you know, you should be uh, leaving your chain every week. But it's not even that. Basically, you run your finger on the top of the chain. And if nothing's coming off of it, it's time to lube it. Yeah, that's a quick check. Yeah. Um, or, and if something is coming off that, and then you rub it between your two fingers it's and it's gritty, gritty then it, it needs to be cleaned because that grit will wear your shit out, right? Like it literally, oh, yeah. like sand and um, dust yeah. mixed with chain lube make grinding paste, right? So most people and the bike industry is happy with this. Um, because it means they sell more chains, more cassettes, yeah. more chain rings, shops get more labor charges. Like your drivetrains would last, you know, and that's your, your cogs and your chain and all the parts on it, um, would probably last like twice as long if you kept your shit clean. Um, so if, uh, you know, if you're, if you're like a deep pockets, you know, Bitcoin investor, you made that big money, <laughs> um, you know, hey, fine. Uh, you don't care, right? You're just going to pay to replace your stuff. Um, but COVID has made it so getting parts mm, has that been. To you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it took me forever to get a new chain. And I do keep my drivetrain clean. Right. Um, it's just, you know, with modern drivetrains, like, like 11 and 12 speed drivetrains, uh-huh. um, chains are skinnier. So they wear out quicker. Right. Um, so it's one of those things of like, uh, uh, if people are looking for some good budget, but high performance, look at like MicroShift Advent X. Uh, it's like a 10 speed. It's like 
a derailleur, a shifter, and a and a rear cassette. Um, that's like you should be able to get the combo for like less than two hundred Canadian. Um, you know, you'll use whatever crank you want with it. Uh, but it's an eleven to forty eight, and it weighs less than Shimano XT, and it's less than two hundred bucks for all the pieces. Uh, and it works, mm-hmm. right? So you know, down the road when your drivetrain's dead. Uh, and, and talk about the performance of what that means, that extra, those extra. Yeah, because right now your drivetrain, um, a lot of mountain bikes nowadays only run one ring up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's brilliant because it used to be to have a wide enough gear range, you had to have three rings up front. Mm. Um, and then you'd have seven, eight, nine speeds in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now that they've gone like 11 and now 12 speed on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been able to make the gear ranges wide enough that you only need a single ring up front. Mm-hmm. So now you've saved some weight because you get rid of the left shifter, you get rid of the front derailleur, you get rid of two chain rings. Um, so that saves weight. But the other thing is now your shifting is up, 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 down, 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 up, up. There's none of the... Um, a hill's coming up, so you got to shift down to the small ring on the front, got but it. shift a gear or two harder in the back, yeah. so you weren't spinning. Yeah. No, it's just up, 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 up until you run out of gears. Um, and the same thing in the other direction. Um, with the bikes that we got, they had an 11 to 42, 11 speed on the back um, with a 32th ring up front. Um and that's fine for most of the stuff we run into around here. Mm-hmm. But the really steep motherfucker hills, it's not quite low enough. Um, low mean, yeah, you can make Easy. Easy, yeah. Um, and it, the new 12-speed systems actually go, you know, still run a similar ring up front, like a, a 30 or 32-tooth ring up front mm-hmm. on the, the crank. But in the back now, they're running 10 to 50 or 10 to 51, Hmm. right? So it's like eight or nine teeth easier. Yeah. You you basically gained a couple more gears. Yeah. In either direction? Uh, You get one harder, like it goes from an 11 tooth to a 10 tooth for the hard gear. Yeah. Uh, But it goes from 42, which is what you have right now, Mm. up to a 50. So it's eight teeth easier. Got it. Um, and I've got a new cassette on my bike. I actually went um, and to replace the 42 that I had on there. I went up to a 46. So the, Okay, so when you're saying the teeth, you're actually talking about the teeth on the cassette. Yes, the more teeth it is, the mm. bigger the ring is. And the easier it is to yes. pedal. Got because it. all it is is just changing the size of the gear. Got it. Right? Um, so on bicycles, okay. on the rear, the bigger it is, the easier it is. On the front, the smaller it is. Or, you know, the bigger it is, the harder it is. Um, so it's finding those, like, sweet gear ratios that, that work for the area you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you found that since you put in this new uh, cassette kit, yeah. whatever, it's been uh, easier for you because now you've gained. Well, I've got one gear easier than you do. Yeah. Like 14 And that helped easier. you get up some hills that you didn't think you could otherwise. Well, because they're super, super yeah, yeah, steep, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So you can spin. Yeah. Um, the combination of easier gears and clipless pedals. Uh, mm. Right? Because 
I can move my feet faster than you can without my feet coming off the pedals. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. The pedals, uh, the clipless pedals, because I I don't do that. No. And so some people, again, fear, like, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, crash into a tree. I don't want to be worrying now about my feet not coming out off my bike. So uh, when do you, and I have to admit, you know, the question is, when do you, sw- you know, switch over? And, Whenever you want. And I have experienced a few times my feet slipping off, mm-hmm. right, as you're doing something or you adjust your feet and you're like, for some, whatever reason, you're, you adjust your feet on the pedals and you're, it's not quite in the position you want it to be, but you don't want to fuck around with that because you're going downhill, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, I've been riding clipless pedals since the early 90s. Yeah. Um, so regular pedals just feel like gack to me. Now, I'm not a big jump guy. Like if I was doing the Red Bull Rampage or anything like that, obviously... You're not doing backflips and putting your feet back in your clipless pedals. Mm-hmm. Um, so so any of that type of riding, downhilling, that type of thing tends to be. Um, some guys will use clipless, but a lot of them are using um, flats, mm-hmm. um, you know, which are just platform pedals with lots of grip. Um, but I find with clipless... Uh, I have more control over my bike. Mm-hmm. Um, if I do want to get my rear end over something, mm-hmm. I just jump and the whole bike comes with me, mm-hmm. right? Because you're attached to it. Okay. Um, getting your feet out is easy. Um, uh, you just twist your ankle a little bit like you're squishing a bug or putting on a cigarette butt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't find it hard to get out of. Um, and yeah, like it's just... And you can adjust how easy it is like you could on a ski boot uh, with some out, the ones that i run you can't oh okay um but they've got like lots of flow they're you know like i don't get stuck so well i have them on my hybrid yeah and i know that at times i feel like i'm struggling to get my foot out when i use them well it's because you're not twisting your ankle yeah, so you got to get used to, to it. Pull it, de- your foot out. it definitely is practice, yeah. and maybe it's something you'd rather do riding on gravel versus, although you don't want to fall, or on pavement, you don't want to be falling on pavement because that sucks. No, but but the thing is, but is like, it's it, you don't fall until unless you're going slow, and that's usually what happens. Yeah, like it, it, I don't know, and maybe it's just I've been riding them for so long. Yeah. Um, but like how people come to a dead stop and forget they were clipped in. Like, that's the only way you fall over. Yeah, that's hap- happened to me recently this year because I forgot. Because it was my first time using them. Yeah, and I'm like, but I, I had forgotten. I, I'm like, oh, yeah, this foot's clipped in. You know. This one's not. Why did I not? Like, <laughs> I, I always pop the one foot out. Like, I'm coasting up to a stop sign. Yeah. I pop one foot out, Um, you know, 10 meters before I get to the stop sign. Yeah, yeah. But... um. But you also talked about how the other advantage of clipless pedals is that you now have the power of pulling up and spinning. Talk about that. Well, basically, spinning is is pedaling an easier gear with with a fast pace, like your feet are moving quickly, a high cadence. And I guess a good way to practice that, well, aside from just doing it when you're mountain biking, but is maybe um, on your trainer? Because I've never indoors... I'm just well, thinking. But you can just do it anytime you're riding. Or anytime when you're riding. Just yeah, go yeah. gear easier than you feel you need to be in and pedal faster. Yeah. You very quickly get smooth at it. 
Um, so how much more speed or yeah pedaling would you get? Well, so versus so you can go like about twenty RPMs faster and still have your feet on the pedals uh-huh. than you can like when you're using flats. You tend to mash the pedals more, okay, right? Because that's all you got. Like you can't pull up. Like if you pull up, your foot's coming off the pedal, right? So so having, um, you know. W- Basically, when you're not using clipless pedals, you're not clicked in, um, you tend to run a, a gear or two harder and you mush it. It's more leg pressing your way everywhere. Right. Um, whereas when you're running clipless pedals, you have now more tools in your toolbox because mm-hmm. I can go a light gear quick and it's less, it's more load on the cardiovascular system, mm-hmm. but less load on the muscles. Right. Um, I can muscle it. Yeah. Um, and I can do everything in between, mm-hmm. right? Cause you can picture if you're riding up a hill, like a steep, loose hill, being in an, a little bit easier gear and spinning smoothly so that there's even power going to the rear wheel. Um, you're more likely to make it up that hill. Um, if you're like mashing, so it's pulsing the power to the rear wheel, mm. you're more likely to have that rear wheel break loose and you lose all your momentum. Makes sense. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that for me, and I guess, I guess the, uh, the silver lining here is that, and if you do fall, you're falling on dirt. And if anybody's done that, you realize, oh, it wasn't so bad. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> I think that's the fear that most people have, or I'd have. Well, and I guess it's, it's, like, it's oh. sort of like anything, practice it in a non, like, uh, like when it doesn't count mm-hmm. to the point that you don't have to think about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That on a regular pedal, like train yourself, like if you're, if you're on platform pedals, when you're going to get your foot off, you twist it, Mm -hmm. right? Because then you have that same motion, no matter what type of pedal you're getting off. Right. And then it's just whatever pedal you're on, you'll always get your foot off properly. Mm -hmm. Right. And you always want whatever foot you want to unclip, you want that leg straight. Um, It's much easier to twist your heel out. To pop out of it when okay. your leg is straight than if your leg is bent at the okay. top of the pedal stroke. Yeah. You have no leverage. Okay. I'm trying to think of what other tips, anything that you recall that I've said to you? Well, learning how to pop your handlebars over obstacles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so what I liked doing with you is rather than on the trail is start in a parking lot. Yeah, put a stick down. Like if you want to learn how to get over a log, um, over a log, up a rock step, mm-hmm. um, you know, over roots, any of that kind of thing. Like the kind of thing that if you didn't get your front wheel up, mm-hmm. if you ran straight into it, it would probably throw you over your handlebars. Um, then it's a case of learning. It It's simple, but it's a, it's a complex timing. Right, because if you get your front wheel up, bef- and then it already comes back down before you hit the log, then you just run into the log. Yeah. Um, you know, if you pull up too late, you run into the log. So it's getting your timing right. Um, and being that most bikes nowadays have suspension forks on them, mm-hmm. um, one of the tricks that that works really well is. Load your suspension fork, like basically with a weight shift forward, like push down on it 
And because it's a spring, it's going to bounce back and yeah. use that bounce back to help you pop your front wheel off the ground. So if you're kind of new at it, you see that you've got suspension on your front tire, okay, on your fork. Um, there's also a dial. Is it always on the right side? Well, it depends on the fork. Some don't even have okay. dials. Okay, so they have dials. You can actually turn it on or turn it off. Well, so that, you've got a really nice fork. Not everybody has that. Okay. I'm speaking from ignorance right now. <laughs> okay. All right. So so with mine is that I can, I can actually um, almost dial in how much suspension I want or is it on or off? It, well, basically it's on or off or anywhere in between. It's so just I, a lockout lever. Got it. Um, but because it's a... Air shock. It's got a blow off valve. So if you have it locked out but hit something hard enough, it'll mm-hmm. cycle so it doesn't explode. Mm. And then it will lock out again. Okay. All right. So, yeah, practice in a parking lot. Um, you know, when I was riding over logs, I wasn't even pushing down. Like I was just riding over the logs. Well, you, but you weren't even pulling up either. I know. Like so, the fact that you, you pulled that off and um, didn't go crashing. Uh, yes. The gods were watching me. Because they're like, I told you to. Because I protected that turtle the first time around, so yeah. karma yeah. was, you know, protecting me not to like <laughs> go flying. Kids too, right? And they've got smaller wheels. Like I know. Part of the reason you pull it off is you have twenty-nine inch wheels. The bigger the wheel, the easier. I know. The things but I've had over. the kids, and they're like not. And this is on their other shitty bikes that they just look. run right into shit. Yeah. So and then they wonder why they crash. But they never did crash. Oh, they did. When? On their new bikes? No, on their old ones. Mm. And then Hudson ran into the bridge and got his seat up his ass. Like, Amanda and I watched that happen. Oh. He didn't try to pull up on the handlebar. He just ran into a square lip like a curb. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was him trying to also get off. I think it was him trying to get off his bike. And because he was in such a position, it just rammed right up his ass. Mm, but it's the, one of those. Oh, man, that was that was painful of me watching that. Yeah. But if you don't lift your front wheel, eventually there's something big enough that it will. Just... And, then he, and then he had then the bar hit his nuts. Oh, another thing. He had a bad beating yesterday. Yeah. The fact that he so loved that trip. <laughs> I called it type two fun for them. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, practice in the parking lot. You know, put some logs down, sticks, whatever. But yeah, or just, even the, even the curbs, uh, like yeah, they, you know the the because um, you can work on your t- even just the lines in the parking lot. That's what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. You know, work on like in a parking lot that isn't busy. Like, you know, it used to be go on <laughs> Sunday, right? Because nothing was open, but yeah. Um, but it's working on like getting your front wheel off the ground, mm-hmm. right? With the right timing. Getting it off the ground, not only from the pump, but lifting it off the ground. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. But the pop just helps the lift easier. I never did any of that until this year, until recently. You know, even though I told you. Hey, I can only take in so much. <laughs> hey, I'm just happy that, you know, if you were just running straight into shit, you didn't trash your wheels and you didn't crash. Yeah. Right. Um, like I said, karma. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because now I go over the curbs all the time, and I, I've just noticed a difference when you said to pull it up. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, and even when I go off drops, I do that now. Yeah. 
I'm talking small shit, yep. right? But I, it's just a habit I'm getting into. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, fitness, we talked about it in our other podcast. I won't go too much into that at all because we've got a whole podcast on it, but certainly does make a difference. And things that you could do that are quick and easy is like get out on your bike three times a week where your heart rate is at. I guess that's an, an aerobic ride. Mm-hmm. So nothing hard, whatever aerobic is for you. In my case, 46 years old. If I do 210 minus 46, anyways, it works out to 120, 130, no more. Um, I do it for about an hour, three days a week, and then one hard ride. Yeah. Something like that. And one hard ride is like two to three hours. My heart rate's usually at 155 for that entire time. And it's fun, right? It's pure joy. But the point is that that'll get into great shape. Um, it doesn't take you long to get back into running shape. If you've been out for a month because of other priorities, life, adulting, whatever, um, and you get back into it, it takes me about, honestly, two weeks, maybe, mm. to get back into it unless you've, and don't overdo it like I did two weeks ago. My kids were with their father for three weeks. I was like, yay, I can ride my heart out. <laughs> and one week I rode two hard rides at the ends of the week, like one end and then the other end of the week. And in between, I rode six times. Yeah. And they weren't hard at all. But man, did that wear. It's more me. volume than you can tolerate. Plus, I worked out. So I, I had massive back pains. What was that? What parts of my back? Your the, lower back. Yeah, the lower back, but up the spine. What's that called? Your QL. Your quadrar lumbar. Oh, my God. It's basically the muscle over your kidneys. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because when you pull on the handlebars, and it, but you're pedaling, you pull evenly on the bar, like you're pulling back with both arms, mm-hmm. but you're only pushing down with one leg at a time. Yeah. Right? So that muscle is tying everything together. Yeah. So it gets a ton of work. Yeah. And, you know, you went from three rides the previous week to eight rides. Yeah. Um, and even is, though, I'm just saying to everybody, even though it felt good. Um, it was too much. It was more than my body could handle. And yeah. I was like, and I was sitting there like, why is my back hurting? Like, this is during the day. So I go for a bike ride. I'm like, this feels, I'm like, ah. As you're going up the hill, that's when you feel it, yeah. right? I'm like, ah, I think it's from the fucking biking. But I feel good. <laughs> you know, you think you're working it out, but then you're like, this is straining it. Mm. It was so sad. I had to like let it go for a couple of days, like a week. Well, and so, so the, the tip of this is when you get into it, um, increase your volume by no more than 10% per week, right? And your body can adapt to that. Mm-hmm. But if you jump from, you know, three hours to eight hours, yeah, your body's going to go. Does it matter what you, what you, what else you're doing? Like I'm in pretty good shape like cardio wise and all that. And that's the thing is that my cardio could take it. Like I could do it, yeah. but my muscular system could not, like I was not used to it. Yeah. So like it doesn't, just, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it's one thing road riding, right? As long as, but it's hills. Hills are the muscular part. Mm-hmm. Like when you have hills, your whole body's involved. Yeah. Um, if it's the flat, well, you know, like I could go ride a hundred kilometers flat, 
day after day, you know, like if you're not really super pushing the pace or anything. Yeah. Because there's not, you know, you might end up with some crotch issues because, you know, you mm, got to climatize the saddle. Yeah. Um, you got to, uh, um, your hands, all that kind of thing. Yeah. But there's not a lot of muscular load li- riding flat terrain unless you're going balls out, you know, uh, like when it's uh, uh, like road riding. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're, you know, got hills, it's a whole different beast, right? There's more torque on your knees, like more, you know, distress. Yeah. You know, because the, the, the forces involved are higher. Right. No, for sure. You mentioned uh, just now about... I was going to talk. Crotch. Yes. Perfect segue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most people who ride already know this, but um, definitely even on casual rides, don't ever ride without your padded, with your chamois. Yeah. Your padded bike shorts. Yeah. Because you gave me shit for that. And last year... I didn't even ride the full year. I started building like some kind of a callus down there, like mm-hmm. some kind of a hardening. Like it wasn't, the skin wasn't tough, but it was like a, underneath the skin, it was like a layer of, I actually went to the doctor and asked if there was like a growth going on there. It was negative. Um, yeah. And of course on your lady bits, that's a lady like desensitizes shit yeah. a little bit, you know? So. And you uh, can get chafing if you're just riding in normal underwear and shorts too. Right, yeah, it's just uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, I do have chamois que- uh, cream, um, which I never use now. Maybe it's because I'm using the bike shorts all the time. Um, or yeah, maybe because I've lost weight. Maybe it's the two. Yeah, because you got less chafing going on. There's less less flesh less. rubbing against itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing too is like it depends on the length of the ride. Like if I'm going long and hard, I'll run chamois cream. Yeah. Um. You know, if it's long and easy, like we just did with the kids, I don't worry about it. And if it's short and hard, I don't worry about it. Yeah. But, you know, if I'm going longer than two hours, it's hot and sweaty. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, I'll put it on. You know. But it, it, it just comes into knowing, like, are you prone to kind of wear and tear down there? Like right. chafing? Right. You know. Um, or is it kind of toughened up? Um, you know, and do you have bits that chafe and all that? Kind and of maintenance stuff. of your chamois, like you obviously, when you wash them, you want to um, air dry them versus dryer. Maybe if that's what the instructions say. I just throw mine in. The, the oh, hole. do you? Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, but that's just because I'm lazy. Got it. You know. Um, I have. What else I want to talk about? I have an issue, and I'm, we're kind of trying to figure this out. Um, I think it's just the positioning of my arm. Like, my hands will go numb, right, when my elbow's bent. Yeah, but you run into that going to sleep, too, in your bed. Yeah. Right, so I don't know. I'm going to see the doctor it, next yeah. week. I don't know how much of it's the bike versus. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, but that does raise a point that, see, I had this, um like even years ago, I after a while, if your hands go numb, you want, you want to move positions, right? Yeah. And that had nothing to do with what I have now because no. now it's pretty consistent. Um, that happens when my elbow's in a certain position, I just lose sensation, which is a real problem when you can't shift because <laughs> yeah. I got to that point. <laughs> um, 
anyways, but I just shake it. And so then two seconds later, I'm good. Um, but comfort, talk about that. What are some common issues that people run into when they have a new bike and they think they just have to live through it, but okay, so there's ways to fix that. Getting your seat at the right height, um, which it's sort of beyond sort of explaining in a podcast, but um, you want it straight, it, like basically at the bottom of the pedal stroke, you want it roughly a 30 degree bend in your knee. Um, uh, so it's straight-ish, but not locked, right? Um, then, uh, you know, generally I find with most people, they benefit from having their seat a little further back. And if that translates into your bar being too far away, then put a shorter stem on. Um, you just might have to buy one and, you know, but a, a shorter, the stem is what attaches the handlebar to the fork, right? And they come in a bunch of different lengths. Like Catherine and I ride the same size frame, um, but she has like a 70 millimeter stem and I have a 110 millimeter stem. Um, I need a longer reach. Uh, she needed a shorter reach. So that's sort of how we fit those up. Um, uh, if you find that there's too much weight on your hands, then generally bringing your seat back um, and down a little bit, and this is assuming your seat's at the right height, will take some pressure off the hands. Mm. Um, getting uh, ergon grips or any kind of anatomically shaped grips, but ergon from Germany um, are by far my favorite grips. It's what we both have on our bike. You know, they kind of got paddle shapes and they fit the hands really well. Um, and you can get them with bar ends and all sorts of things to give you another hand position because um, bar ends can be nice when you're climbing hills. Um, move your hands out to the horns. It shifts your weight forward a little bit to keep your front wheel down. Um, and handlebar height. Uh, generally, if your seat and your handlebar are level, like with each other, um, for a mountain bike, um, that's fine. You don't need to be super aerodynamic with your handlebar lower than your seat like you would on a road bike because aerodynamics don't, don't really play much of a role uh, mountain biking. Um, and then beyond that, you know, the, it, it, you can get handlebars with different angles and different <laughs> widths, and there's all these different pieces that will come into it. But um, just know, like, if something isn't comfortable... You know, like if you if you find something when you're riding on a flat trail that isn't rough, um, like you don't feel like you're you you experience some sort of discomfort or pain, um, or when you're riding your bike on technical terrain like steeper uphills and downhills and corners, uh, it doesn't feel like balanced and in control. Then there's something off with your fit, mm -hmm. right? Um, you can shorten your handlebars. You yeah. Know? They always come in at a longer, larger, or wider uh, reach than they need to be. You can always get them cut. Yeah, because they always come wide because you can always cut bars down, but you can't add to them, right? So, uh, you know, you'll run into that where regardless of the size frame, they'll all come with the same width handlebar like yeah. on a mountain bike. So you want to go to a bike shop. You know, I know you work at sale and... You're very knowledgeable, but most places 
don't know. Yeah. You but, probably uh, want to go to a bike shop. Yeah. like you And you want to find a bike shop where people who ride. Right. right? You know, right. maybe exactly. they've got people who fit bikes. Yeah. Um, you know, that they understand this stuff. Because it's a whole thing of biomechanics, mm-hmm. right? It's setting up your bike ergonomically just like you'd set up your office, you know? Yeah. Um, it matters. Yeah. So I think that's about it. Yeah, that gets us started. So tips uh, for our mountain biking friends, um, you know, even if you've been riding for a while, hopefully we've got something in there that was of use to you. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things you run into for anybody who's uh, like getting into fitness, you know, we are big proponents of mountain biking. Um, mm. Partly because there's Pure always... Joy. Yeah, but there's there's a benefit that comes from doing, um, you know, higher intensity work. Um, and one of the cool things with mountain biking is you get that higher intensity work, but you're having fun doing it. So it's not like you're you're doing repeats on a stair climber or <laughs> doing up, uphill sprints on a treadmill or yeah. you know. Just shit that is so boring. Yeah. Right? Like I could never work as hard in the no. gym, like doing cardio I know. as I do I know. Just mountain biking. That's why it's I love like, it. It's, w- it's it's like a freebie. Yeah. Honestly. And for us, like when we go mountain biking for two, three hours, that's not working. As much as we train and we work out, that's that's not even working out. That's just fun. Yeah. Although it's the hardest workout we do. I know. You know, like just from the stats as far as heart rate and everything goes. Yeah. Um, the mountain biking is the hardest cardiovascular it's so thing rewarding. We do, but you're just having fun doing it. Yeah. Like I have no problem pushing myself because I don't want to walk up that hill. Right. It's the challenge of can I make it up without walking? Right. right. That steep technical hill. Yeah. And so like I'm just focused on that. And then when I look at my numbers afterwards, it's like, oh, my heart rate got up to 174. <laughs> and, it, and I'm always amazed if it's not terribly steep, but if it's just a hill, how much lower my heart rate is riding up it versus walking, pushing the bike. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're always better off on your bike anyways. But um, just going back to the whole improvement of my riding this past year, I think that um, I just forgot. I need some nootropics. Yeah. Because your, your body's really fit, but your brain's not working very well. No. <laughs> no, there was something I was going to say around... Um, you know, when we went back to Hydrocut and how I was on the diamond, the blacks with you, are they black diamonds or just black trails? Black diamonds. Black yeah. diamonds. Okay. Same like skiing. Um, yeah. And, you know, even doing the steep whoopie doos, like mm-hmm. the valleys and coming back up, I used to be afraid of that. Um, I think, fuck, what was I going to say? I can't remember. Anyway. You're, you're, you're a better rider this year than you were last year. I was. I yeah. am. Yeah, yeah, I am. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's, it's uh, you know, practice is definitely key. And I think definitely trying hard things. Don't limit yourself, right? Go do a black trail. Don't be intimidated by it. Generally, they have the out. Like, you can always do um, something easier. You don't have to do the jumps or the drops, whatever. But you can always see them mm-hmm. and experience something. You'll probably take away something. And besides which, if you're looking at a drop or jump, you're like, oh, I could have done that. Well, now you know what it looks like. Go back and do it. Yeah. 
right? Just back up. And um, definitely just that practice and has really helped me because it was a lot of it was fear, uh, you know. But it's fear of the unknown and the more more trails you ride. Oh, I'm so comfortable now. Yeah. Yeah. And it was going down things that were steep, not just not knowing how to handle them, right? Yeah. And how to drop and go over roots and will I go faster and... And now I'm super comfortable. Now I'm just more worried about my kids and just watching them. <laughs> I hope they're okay. And they're like, oh. yeah, because you tell them something like 20 times, and then it's like, honestly, when I saw Hudson go down a hill and there was like that steep embankment, I'm like, oh. you know, because I noticed we were riding on the escarpment, right? And there's a bit of a bush. I mean, there's yes, you know, if they fall, they probably won't fall over, but if they do fall over, it's like pretty. Oh, you mean like when we're down to Waterdown? That, yeah. But even, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, totally. Yeah, the trail wasn't right near the edge, though. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. But that no, used to make me nervous. Yeah. Right? Now it's more like my kids. Like, hopefully they're not going to do something stupid. But when we were in uh, uh, Fanshawe yesterday, I just know that we were, you know that um, one hill that it looks like it's like all gravel and um, it's like a drop on the other side. I don't know. I didn't yeah. even look. When Hudson's like, I don't think we should go here. I'm like, oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> this is a good adventure. But we were going down some bends that were going down and around. And I'm fine with that. But then I just look at Hudson. I'm like, how in control are you really? So that makes me nervous. <laughs> it's not even my writing. It's me watching my kids do something. And honestly, sometimes they just do it naively, naively. Or I think they are a little bit. Or maybe I'm just overthinking it, which is probably what it is. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but I just don't always don't always know if they're truthfully in control. That's my thing with them. Yeah, I find uh, Amanda. Amanda, yes. Hudson, I question. Yeah. Sometimes I think he just gets around a corner because he just got lucky. Yeah, like because all the things we've told him, he doesn't do. He doesn't put his pedal down, going around corners. He's getting better. But you know. It, you know. Just gotta min- minimize the risk. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Nerf them up. Yeah. All right, guys. If you have any questions for us, let us know. But in the meantime, work hard. Play dirty. Bye.